Let's take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing for the few minutes we have here. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your spirit is here, the Holy Spirit. And I recognize my need and alignment for you every day. And so, Lord, I cry out, Lord, without you, I could do nothing but with you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people, those listening maybe online and those uh, later that picked this message up, and those that are here now presently, I pray your presence would speak, apprehend, and that you would deposit what you want in our souls here today in our spirits. It's in your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. I just want to jump in and continue where we're at, see how far we go. Like I said, I'm not in a rush in this series because I believe it's, uh, I feel God's still on it, that he, he wants um, us to continue in this. Just pray you have a little mercy for me today. How many know when the fun uncle comes and he's gone, Rex? Then you get the parents that show up. Well, the parents are back. Just thought I'd let you know that. <laughs> we'll have more fun uncles and aunts in, but you're stuck with the parent today. Amen? We've been talking. <laughs> you're all too kind. And this is the ninth week in our series, and I really just want to focus on one thing. I'm going to talk a lot about it. But I want to talk about uh, this ninth week about the verse, and we'll get to it in a moment, we take captive, we take captive. Uh, our text has been Mark chapter 4, and then verses 4, uh, 13 to 20. Let me just read, and I'm going to pull up the verse uh, that we're going to focus on. You can see that there. But let me just begin to read as we jump in. The parable of the sower explained, and, and he said unto them, Jesus, do you not understand this parable? How then would you understand all parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. We talked about that. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately. We talked about that. And he takes away or snatches the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, uh, I don't think we're going to get into this today because it's something I want to talk about before this, but this is where we're heading. Verse uh, 16 and 17, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Somebody shout stony. Stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately with it, uh, they receive it and with gladness. And they shout, amen, hallelujah, pastor. Amen, that's great. And, but they have no root in themselves. Uh-oh. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. That didn't put a negative on for you to shout still amen. I still need your amens. <laughs> amen. And the more you amen, the quicker I get done. Verse 18. <clears throat> now these are the ones sown among thorns when... Uh, they are the ones who hear the word, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, who accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. And we kind of started off this series, we asked a number of questions, I was stirred with this. Uh, have you ever wondered why it seems that? The Word of God, you read it, the Bible, you come, you attend church, and all the promises, it seems like it's just not working in your life, and you ponder and you wonder what's going on week after week. You hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, and, and you just think, where's the changes? Where are the changes in my life? Something should be changing. Why is that? And we're discovering that in conjunction with us 
being born again, we've talked about that, uh, that our spirit, man or woman, is transformed. But we're finding out that our soul is not. Our soul is not transformed. And it needs transformations because there's numerous verses that talk about the transformation of the soul. And we said this each week that when our priorities and our affections are out of order, our life is out of order. How many know that to be true? Your heart and your affections are one way and your life is really just, it's just in mayhem and there's just craziness. And so the last few weeks we talked in how Satan comes in, he swoops in, he steals the word that was sown. Even now, he doesn't like the word of God. He fights it that the word of God be shared with an individual to actually show up, to come to church, to sit, to hear the word of God. He hates that. He would have you do anything else right now. Anything else. And probably many of you would probably be tempted and it's like, why come? Such a nice day. Probably one of the last nice warms day. You could be out on a hike right now. You could. He works that. Does not want you to hear the word. Hates that. I'm finding that to be true more and more in the ministry. It's like how much he hates the word of God. Why do you think Hitler and Stalin and some of these men of old burn Bibles? What is the purpose? of? Why don't you burn other books? Well, they did, but why were you attacking the Bible? Why is a book that important? Why is it that powerful? Why? Because it can change the hearts and the minds of people forever. That's why. It's the Word of God. It's life. It is God-breathed, Timothy says. In other words, it's, it's the breath of God in writing. Men inspired by God wrote the Word of God. That's why we trust Him with our lives. It is God's heart from humanity. And so we also started this series with a simple illustration of these three boxes. And we talked about uh, it's the possibility of that, that the Word not working in our life, even though we may hear it, day in and day out, and it's not taking root, that there could be an issue with our soul, our soul. And all of us have to deal with our soul. In the Greek, it's the chuka, and it hasn't been renewed. And actually, that word renewed means to be, to make new, to recreate, to restore to its original intent. When Adam walked in the garden with the Lord, his soul was not all discombobulated. His soul was in alignment with his spirit. So his spirit ruled his life, and the soul was subject to the spirit. After the fall, we use this illustration, it got flipped. And so that's humanity today. They're ruled by their soul. They're ruled by their mind, their will, their emotions, which ties into the flesh, right? And that's how humanity is ruled. And, 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 and this, is a serious, this is a serious concept. You know, some of you come to Christ, and you, you wondered... Uh, you're going to be a new creation, and you wonder, okay, I still struggle with things. I, wh- why? I thought this anger issue was done away with. I'm a new creation. Why am I so angry? Come on. Uh, wh- why do I feel, you know, why am I struggling? And so that's what we're delving into, and we've been talking about it. And so, so once again, when we repent and receive Christ in our, in our human spirits, they are changed, they are born again. Somebody say Amen. It's transformed, but our soul is not. Our soul is not. And we said this, that our soul didn't get saved when your spirit did. And this, I think, is a very powerful statement that Dutch Sheets brings out in his book, Becoming. Uh, He says this, your unsaved soul is the deciding factor on whether or not that Christ-likeness within you will be released out of your born-again spirit. It's the soul 
that needs to be subjected to the word of God. It's the soul that needs to come under the will of God. See, here's the good news, though. When you become born again, you have the ability to do that. Without it, your spirit, man or woman, you're just basically damned. You're just basically a victim. You're just basically a slave to your soul and your flesh. You're, you're safe. You're try. Now, listen, the human soul is powerful without God. It's very powerful. There are, you know, false religions and things that they do and devote themselves. The human soul, they delve into the human soul. I mean, have people quit addictions by the power of the soul? They have, without God's power. The soul is tremendously powerful on its own. But lasting true freedom comes by transformation through the Spirit, in, the, in, in God's Spirit. How many still with me? Say amen. And so, so your physical body, our physical body will serve whoever's in control, whether that's our born-again spirit man or woman or that unregenerated soul. And we said this about what a spiritual person is. A spiritual person, let me just get that, there we go. A spiritual person is one who lives according to and who is led by, some shout led, by their born-again spirit instead of their soul and body. All this week and last week, we had choices that we made. And we were either led by the spirit, uh-oh, or we were led by the flesh. That's not to beat anybody up. This is something that, this is an ongoing process in our life. No judgment here. No judgment. All of us, some of you fly off the handle or whatever, or, you know, this or that, or a reaction, whatever. You know. That's why I say if you fall, fall forward. Amen? Just get back up. Draw near to God. There's no judgment there. We're all in, in this battle. There's all things in our soul that we wish we didn't have strongholds and things that we're actually going to get into here in a moment, talking about where the enemy has come in and built up fortresses in our soul, and we want to be delivered for that. This is a very powerful verse, Romans 8.13. Romans 8.13, it says this, for if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you're going to die. He's not talking to somebody that is not born again. He's talking to someone that's saved. Why would you present this scripture to someone who doesn't know the Lord? They don't know what you're talking about. But if you are living to the if you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's someone that's a believer, right? That that you are habitually. Someone say habitually. What does that mean? How many of you know it takes at least thirty days to form a habit, right? Some of you is quicker. Some of you it's later. <laughs> I formed a habit lifting weights thirty two years ago, and it was very hard the first few weeks. But I wanted it. I, I wanted that. Some of you just think, uh, you know, exercise is like a curse word. It's really not, actually. <laughs> and, 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 but but, but I, I, I forced myself to go. And what happened was, watch this, where I had no desire, where I had no want. Are you listening to me? Where I didn't really care to. There were so many other things I wanted to do. I set my, watch this, my will, this is the power of the soul, to do that. You know what follows? My emotions. <laughs> my emotions follow. Now, I just do have it. I just do it. You know what? Oh, I'm feeling crummy. Got go, to go work out. I feel like impurities leave my body when I, live, when I exercise. And then I go, oh, I got rid of all that bad stuff. <laughs> That's just me. That's just me. But there is a power in the soul that you can set yourself. But the Bible says it's something that we are to habitually put to death. It's that soul. The sinful deeds of the body, and he says if you continue to do that, you're going to really live forever. 
All right, we're going to delve into some things right now. So that's our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. That's unregenerated. That's something that God says, how many know we have to do that? We need, how many know that without Christ, without a renewed spirit, we can't do that? But now that you are, you are not a victim. I can't. I can't break that alcoholic problem. My, my dad was, you know, my mom, I can't, I can't seem to kick that alcoholic habit. You know, there are way too many Christians getting drunk. Oh, it just got awfully quiet in this place. Come on. Amen? Yeah, it, it, how many know drunkenness is a sin? We all say, yeah, amen. But where's the line? That's all I'm going to say about that. Moving right along. <clears throat> you thought you'd come to church here and be excited, huh? <laughs> you want Rex back. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> You're all happy and excited. Oh, Pastor, we, the parents are back now. So what is the flesh? The Apost- 90 times the Apostle Paul speaks of the flesh in his writings of the New Testament. And when I say flesh, I'm not necessarily talking about physical body per se. Uh, you know, it, without, how many of you know that without our spirit and our soul, how many know our flesh is just a shell? When you go to a funeral, that is the flesh lying there. It, the spirit is gone. It has gone on, you know, in eternity. And so, so but I, I heard this, uh, and I, so I think it's an interesting thing about the flesh. Just a, a definition. There's many definitions. But the, watch this. The flesh is any human action or achievement. <clears throat> wow. It's deep, Pastor, here. Any human action or achievement without dependence upon the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by that? This building was built by the Holy Spirit. You know why I know that I can say that? I tried to do it for 20 years and couldn't do it. I tried so many avenues and ways and venues, and we'd do fundraisers, and then we would raise church growth funds. Some of you have been here for a while. Remember, we were going to raise 125000 We raised that. All right, we're going to raise 250000 Took four years to get to that. You know, we're talking 20 years. And then finally, we made an announcement. I don't know if some of you remember the old building. Remember that old building? Sometimes I drive around the old building and went, oh, Thank you, Jesus, for delivering us. How did we do it? You know what? God bless you. You still came to that building. <laughs> I think one time I was going to get Kathleen a canoe to get in because it was flooded in the back. I'm like, how is Kathleen going to get in? Anyhow, <clears throat> you know, but God still showed up there. But it was Sunday, November 24th. I remember, and I'll never forget that Sunday. Because it was the Sunday, the trustees, we all came to the conclusion, we cannot build. Some of you were there at that meeting. You remember that meeting? So we dismissed the service, and I was just not happy. I was quite sad, and, but I had to get up, and we just we were pushing and pushing and trying to raise, and, and now it's pandemic time coming, just before. The November, it was November, just before that. We didn't see that. We didn't know that. It was little rustlings, you know, in China. What's going on? We don't know. It had nothing to do with us. And we made the announcement, and then at the end of that, I went home, and I basically, I just was so discouraged. So discouraged that basically we're making a public announcement saying this building will not happen. (laughs) In other words, this is an impossible situation. And we're letting you all know we cannot do it. I just thought God was in heaven going, (laughs) I got him at a good point. There's no way now that they can think they could get the glory of any of this. No way. That's why this building was built 
during the worst time. And then when people ask me about, you, you built it during the, what, the pandemic? We were all, you know, hatches batting down. We were, I mean, you what? You actually stepped, no, I said, no, no, God said yes. He just said yes. And when he said yes, he put the seed of faith in many of your hearts, not just mine, in many of your hearts. He went, yes, and it happened. And so when I talk, talk about it, every time I come to this building, I look around and I go, look what the Lord has done. Not look what Mike has done. Not look at what well, the harvest. No, it's the Lord did this. The Lord did this. That's what he wanted all the while. But we can do things in the flesh. We can throw money at buildings. We like this. We want this built. You know, and the businessmen, they'll throw money at stuff. And, but did the Lord build them? Unless the Lord builds the house, though that labor, labor in vain. Come on now. All right. I belabor that a lot. So Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I don't put any confidence in the flesh. In the flesh. And so very quickly here, just a few more minutes, I want to just talk to you about uh, this verse we'll get into in a moment about taking our thoughts captive. And just at the end, I want to give you some, just some real basic practical things how I do that in my life, and, and there may be a different way that, that you do it for, for your life, but we're going to talk about strongholds. You know, the brain has the process capacity of 100 trillion instructions per second. So when you walk around thinking, you know what, I'm just stupid, I don't know much, that's a lie. That's a lie. It is the ultimate filing cabinet. What's housed in the subconscious memory shapes every facet of who we are. The subconscious memory is our belief center. All right, well, watch this. It is the sum total of what's stored there. It works together to determine what you really believe. That's where strongholds are formed in that area. So what is a stronghold? It's a mindset. It's a, a mind belief. Uh, it is a grid of thought. You could say it that way. It serves as a filter for our actions. Strongholds we're talking about. A stronghold is a fortified place, a place that's dominated by or occupied by a special group, kind of in the natural, which I highlighted it's really based, when it comes to the enemy, on lies that we believe. And uh, I like this little short definition. Strongholds are faulty thinking patterns based on lies in deception. And it affects your life. That's what a stronghold is. And how many know that deception is one of the primary weapons that the devil uses because that is the building block of strongholds. Now, most of you, the enemy is not going to show up. Some people believe that he is, but he's not going to show up physically in your house and tempt you. He's not going to physically show up in your car where you're commuting and go, there's the enemy there. He's tempting with me with something. No, he uses deception in our minds and our lies and thoughts we hear and even things people say. Are you listening this morning to us? You're not this. You're not that. You'll never make this. You'll never... And then you hear that, it goes in your subconscious, and he's building a stronghold. When enough people say kind of the same thing about you, you start to question and wonder, is this true or not? And we'll get to that in a moment. So they are faulty thinking patterns <clears throat> based on lies and deception. Strongholds are fortresses constructed in our mind from which we can be ruled or controlled in uh, inappropriately at times. 
and uh, it can be scary at times. So when someone says, don't tell me something exciting that may happen because I'm always let down and disappointed, how many know that's a, a stronghold soul problem? Why? Because everything bad happens to me. Mm. Or nothing good ever happens to me. Or watch this. Or my luck, this is going to crash and burn. Every time I get my hopes up. Every time I try something new, it crashes and burns. That's a stronghold problem. And even for people that respond, because the word of God is so powerful, it affects people in their life. Uh, we all know of possibly maybe somebody who came forward to the altar and they responded or they've, they accepted Christ in their life. And, and then within a few weeks or maybe in a few months, they're right back living where they're at. He thought, I, God marvelously touched you in that meeting. God really moved upon you, sensed the spirit of God. You were crying. You were weeping. You even sent out a post somewhere, social media, what God did in your life. Now you're back at the same thing. Why? Is anybody with me this morning? Well, perhaps maybe they were actually truly reborn in their spirit. But they just didn't have enough time, watch me, with the seeds of that reborn spirit to impact their soul. How many of you know all of our souls need realignment? Um, how many have ever driven in a car that the alignment was out? So if you're driving, you can tell your alignment's out. Don't do this for a long time. You're on the interstate. It should stay pretty straight. But the moment you take your hand off the wheel that goes to the right, you need an alignment. But what has to happen is if you don't adjust that alignment, you have to use a lot of force to drive, right? There's a lot of work in your, come on now, there's a lot of work. And so constantly pulling that wheel. So if my soul is out of alignment with God's truth, I need to work extra hard to stay on track. Some of you are working extra hard to stay on track and you just need an alignment in your soul. Amen? And so, uh, you know, this is why it is so important for believers to get plugged into a healthy church. And there are numerous healthy churches in this community and, and in this nation. Thank God for that. Amen? But it's so important to get plugged in. Why? Psalm 92.13 says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. How many know what that means? Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish and they will do well. I don't know about you, but I want to do well. And, and sometimes you got to kind of look at your life and go, okay, let's see, the first, my, my 20s and 30s, oh, I didn't seem like, a, but my, my, my 40s, you know, I, I got plugged in, I got connected, but oh, I walked away from some things in my 50s now. How many hear what I'm saying? You got to really chart your life. <clears throat> if your life, you look back and say, you know, there was a segment of time I was really doing well. And then now you're not, you got to go back and think of what did you do at that time. <laughs> you got to revisit that. You look, oh, wait a minute, I was plugged in, I was connected. Well, I left that church because so and so, and this happened, and the enemy won. He got you driven out. Unless they were preaching false doctrine or something crazy, there's no reason to leave the church. All right? Amen? There's no reason <clears throat> if they're preaching truth. So our souls need alignment. It says, they will do well. They will do well in the courts of our God. And when I think about that, they will do well. You know what? Sometimes, sadly, when the enemy gets a foothold, he has a stronghold, even though someone may be a believer, they will avoid church. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? You may be saved, you may be born again, and, you, and, and the Spirit of God is in you, is, is desiring to transform your soul, but you've just given yourself over to your soul. And what happens is they know it. 
They know, I, I know what I should be in church, but I'm not living. I'm sleeping with my boyfriend and my girlfriend, you know, just fornicate or whatever. I know I need to be, come on, it got awfully quiet in here. Amen? <clears throat> and so, and so we, just, we just think that's okay. We think, watch this, that there are no consequences. It's because no lightning. I grew up in the era in the 70s, and some of you remember, that from the pulpit, whether it was youth ministry, whatever, that when we were hammered, watch this, we were hammered that if you screw up and you mess up and you do this, that, that, that immediately you're going to feel judged and you're going to, God, is, his wrath will be against you. And how many know there's a little distortion there, all right? That's not, that's what I grew up though under that, <clears throat> you know what, you do that and all these, you know, and some people too, you know, I do believe this, that, that, you know, when, I think actually it's great prayer for parents, pray, Lord, let them be very uncomfortable by kids disobey. Let them feel the conviction of God. Maybe I could say it that way. Amen? So then some people, they, every time they try to do something devious, they get caught. <laughs> I remember years ago, um, I don't know if there was a no date. I, I can't remember, but we were youth pastors back in the 90s, and, and uh, we, we went to the Mall of America. And we show up in the Mall of America. And so now we're in the city. So, so we were in Ashby at De- Destiny Church. It was a country Bible church at that time on staff. And, and, and we show up there. So we had a large youth group. We had about 100 kids that were coming out. We bust them in. And they were from Alec all around. And it was just a, just a real happening thing. And, and so we're all kind of maintaining, watching relationships. You know, this guy likes this girl. You know, like, okay, are we showing up for God or are we showing up for a guy? Probably both. <laughs> and so it was just hilarious because we go into the, what is the, the animal? The rainforest, thank you. And the rainforest cafe, all right, has all the bears, whoever, you know. And, the, and we go into the back area where it's kind of quiet. It's like, can we just be away from the roaring bears, you know? Can we just eat our food in peace? And we show up there. Who's there? <laughs> Two kids from the youth group sitting there dating, you know, but didn't want anyone to know. There we are. The youth pastors show up. You know, and I love that. You can't hide. Amen? That's a good thing, parents. I don't want to pray, Lord, get them. Just get them. <clears throat> but <laughs> I don't know why I shared all that, but where am I at? Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyhow, let me get on track here. We're going to conclude with this here. I want to conclude with this verse here. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Timothy 6, or you can pull it up. But let me just say this first. When we are born again, we know that our spirit, man or woman, is made new, okay? It is, born, it is, it is the spirit of God comes and lives within us and changes that spirit, human spirit that's dead and makes it alive, alive. <clears throat> so even though you may struggle with things, this, you are born again. If you're authentically saved, you surrendered your life, you are born again. And, and, and it will not relent. It will be unrelenting. That's why some of the most miserable people are Christians that backslide. Right? Christians that backslide, when, you know, they fall back, they draw back in the world. They're just miserable. Sinners, they don't know the Lord. They just keep sinning and, you know, they throw up and they're drunk and they smash their car and whatever. They just go back to it like a pig that goes back to vomit. Come on, but, but, but when you're born again, you're miserable. You walk around, like, uh, uh, and you keep trying to silence that spirit man or woman that's saying, this is not who you are. 
This is not who I called you to be. I've called you up higher. I have a higher life for you. You are my son, my daughter, my representation on earth. And, and you are a picture of me here. Wow. But a spiritual awakening. How many know the verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If any man or woman be in Christ, right? <clears throat> they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. That's talking about the spirit. I like one translation says this. Let them be a new creation. I thought that was interesting. Let them be why. There are many things that are trying to hold you back from being that new creation. And that's what? That's the soul trying to hold you back. Trying to hold you back. A spiritual awakening, when we are born, again, brings new life. Especially, now watch this, in a moral sense. When we are born again, one of the first things that is awakened is morality. So in other words, the, in a more, you know, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and where I'm at my reading right now, one thing that is constantly brought up is, how do I say it this way? God is very disappointed, and he is not happy when his people sin sexually. Start to lay that out. Like, he writes whole books about it. <laughs> Prophets speak about it, and they get very much in detail. Now, I'm not trying to hammer something that may be easy that, we, you know, everyone struggles with, but, but I, just, I just notice that. It's like I gather, and I'm like, man, whether I'm reading Hosea, Ezekiel, you know, Isaiah. But I just, it's like he is just, you follow idols, you follow idolatry, there's fornication going on, there's temple prostitutes, I've had it. I think he has a point there, doesn't he? I mean, he's God, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's just something that, that he lists, and actually they list the sins, and one on the top of the list is sexual immorality. I think that's a picture for us. When we are born again, one of the first things that's awakened should be is morality. This God, God is God. I am not. There's a vessel here. And so in a moral sense, that spiritual awakening happens or should happen. And what else do we receive? We receive a spiritual life. We receive a divine life. That's, that's wonderful. We receive new spiritual senses. We receive, we're talking about when we're born again in our spirit, new desires come in our spirit, man and woman. New hopes and joys, new appetites, new conversations, or should be. We get a new heart, not necessarily physically, but spiritually. What else happens? Our understanding is enlightened. Our judgment is being corrected. Uh, our conscience is being formed of heavenly things in truths. And awaken, and it's actually purged by past guilt by Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And, and, and actually, my will becomes subject to God's will, or I should say it starts, that transformation, the ability, the ability in the soul. We have the power now to transform the soul through the spirit. How many see that? Say amen. And we get new affections. Why? What does that mean? I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. That's what you receive and so much more. Someone once said, this new life makes a person love all they have hated and hate all they had loved and fling away all they had treasured before they were reborn. That's really what it is. Somebody has cared less about the things of God. All of a sudden, a believer, they desire it. They desire the Lord. I remember a situation of a one man that he was a part of a certain denomination many years ago, and, and he, uh, I, I, I work with them and see him in passing, and he did not know the Lord. But you could see there was this desire and this hunger. And he's like, well, I go to so-and-so denominational church. And I just feel no life. And, and I was like, you need to be born again. 
and I prayed with him to receive the Lord. And uh, he actually received the Lord. And so what did he do the first day he goes to his old church? He carried a Bible. <laughs> so here is this guy, rough type guy. He carries a Bible in his church. You know who attacked him? The church folk. They attacked, they's like, what, 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 what are you carrying a Bible for? It's like, I'm so excited. He's saved now. Yeah, he's born again, and, it's, he's, and he's like, he's just, I, I gotta, you know, when the pastor opens up, I wanna, and, and they ridiculed him, because he had a Bible. Stand with me if you would, please. I'm gonna conclude with this verse here. 1 Timothy 6, 12. I'll have to continue this. Now watch this, this is something interesting here, very interesting passage. I don't think I have the time right now here this morning, we'll get into it next week, Lord willing. Paul tells Timothy we need to lay hold of eternal life. Well, Pastor, I thought that when we were saved, we already got eternal life. Yes, you do. But there are certain things in this walk of faith we have a part to play. And to lay hold of eternal life, actually it's in, in Matthew, Jesus talks about uh, who of any of you that had uh, a donkey or a sheep on the Sabbath day, falls in a pit, does not lay hold of it to bring it out. So you may be saved, but there are things Jesus is saying you still have to lay hold of. You have to lay hold. You have to lay hold. Uh, what God has given me in my spirit, watch this, I can fail to experience in my mind, my emotions, and my will, unless I lay hold. Unless I lay hold to it. So there's an action apart. We're not talking works here. We're just talking allowing the Holy Spirit of God in our life. But we have to lay hold. We have to lay hold. Um, it's the same with salvation. We know that we are born again and by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. But how many know there is no present benefit you can draw from your salvation unless you lay hold of it? What does that mean? You may be saved, but you may be walking in the flesh. You're not laying hold of eternal life. You're just walking in the flesh. Maybe money is the idol in your life. You're laying hold of money. Oh, you're trying to hang on to this life. I'm saved. I got my rabbit's foot, but boy, there's just so much fun out there. All I got to just do, just keep repenting, just keep giving, just keep going on, on and on and on. No, we need to, God is calling us up higher. Higher. Last verse. Last verse, I promise. Watch this. I think that should be 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through, watch this, pulling down of strongholds. So we'll get into here more strongholds. But the stronghold, that word uh, achiroma, it actually means a castle in the Greek, a fortress, a prison. The weapons of our God, the weapons, the weapons of our warfare, excuse me, are not carnal, but mighty through God. Mighty through God. What does that mean? We are to take captive every thought. God, how many know God cares about our thoughts? He cares about your thoughts. And Lord willing, we get into this next week about taking captive our thoughts. But, but the weapons we have are mighty through God. What is the weapons? They're spiritual weapons. They're weapons of the Word of God. That's why it's so important. The weapons of what you need in your mind. You can't take charge of your thoughts if you don't know if that thought's godly or not. Well, it doesn't bother me that I dwell on this or that. It doesn't affect me because nobody knows. <clears throat> God knows. 
He's not mad at you. He loves you. But he wants you to take charge of those thoughts. Amen. Every head bowed, please, this morning. You're here this morning as a pastor. I, you shared earlier about actually what salvation means. And you may have come to church and be in church and gone for years. But you truly, you do not know the Lord. You don't have that assurance of salvation. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need part of God's spirit to come into your human spirit and save you. Very simply, that's you here today. You see, I've never really vocalized. I've never really invited God in my life. I didn't know I should do that. Yes, the Bible says you must be born again. That's what it means. You're here this morning as a pastor. I want that. Pray with me as we pray together this morning to receive the Lord. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your presence. This day, I make a commitment to serve you all the days of my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, save me now. I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it, and in your spirit, man or woman, God came in, and he's doing a work of grace that only he could do.